and take some time out for testimonies tonight. <clears throat> Two testimonies, I see hands up, so we'll bring the mics out and get ready for those. Ruby, are you first? Okay. <laughs> I want to ask the church to pray for me and my finances. Uh, for like three months now, I either don't get a check or either get it late. And this last uh, January payment, they took $859 out of my account because they said that the, um, the, my insurance would no longer be covered by the, the tax thing that they was doing, doing that Obamacare thing. So they said my health insurance was denied. And so they said they would refund me that $859, but it'd probably be 30 to 90 days. And so I couldn't pay my rent, so, but I got the money from my son. But uh, it was hard for him because, you know, he worked for the government. And so they, they shut down, so he was laid off. So it's just been hard for us, you know. So I'm just asking y'all for prayer. I, um, this morning I couldn't be here because Bill was working, but I happened to listen to my favorite when I can't get to church or when I'm trying to get ready for church. Show. Yeah, <laughs> not, yeah, my second favorite. I guess I on my favorite online, on TV, on TV pastor that I watch as I'm getting ready to come to church or this time when I couldn't come. I actually watched it twice, but it was one of the parts was about a strong church and what are the characteristics of a strong church. And one of, it said, one of the things it said in the strong church was that the members of the church loved each other. And I want you all to know that I do love you all. You may not all love me, but I love you all. <laughs> and I may not know you well enough to not love you, but I love you no matter what. I want you to know that. And not just with God's love, I really do love you. I love you with affection. And I am so blessed and glad to get to be a part of this church. And we have all this, the trademarks of a strong church. All that he had 10 positions, 10 things that mark a strong church. And so if we may not have the numbers, at least we're strong in God's eyes. Amen. So I thank you all for being my brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. And likewise, we, we love you. Praise the Lord for you. And I can speak for everybody in saying that we do, we do love you. Praise God. <coughs> Chantel. All right, so I just wanted to thank God for, God for his people. I really wish I Mickey was here. But this week, I, our job is now at a critical low. So that means we have so few people that every paycheck we have to pick up a certain amount of extra hours. Every nurse has to do it. And we've been doing that, and people are still getting mandated and working overtime, and just it's, it's been ridiculous. So I, my extra shift was this past Tuesday, so that meant I worked Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night. And after Tuesday, I would get up for Wednesday, take the kids to gymnastics, and have to try to go grocery shopping, and you know, pick up stuff I needed for the house. And it was it was not a good week. I never really got to slow down and like, okay, I can breathe for a few minutes. Like I didn't wasn't really taking very good care of myself because I was just like, I have to get this stuff done. 
And then Friday, when I went back to work, it was, it was an absolute just storm when I got to work because a bunch of stuff was going wrong. And I'm looking around like, I need a grown-up nurse. I need somebody who knows what they're doing. And I was the most grown-up nurse there. I was the one who had been there the longest. So I was the most senior nurse on the floor for 12 hours. And all the other nurses, like, they were brand new. They had no idea what was going on. So they're all asking me questions. And we had a patient biting people. Another patient was missing. An aide was off of the floor. Like, just all sorts of things that just went wrong. You know, I kept it together. I was like, okay, they're, they need me to be the big girl nurse. I'm going to be the big girl nurse. But I guess I didn't realize, like, what an emotional toll this week had taken on me. Because then when I got to choir practice, I was debating. I was like, maybe I should just go home. I'm tired. I'd don't really feel like singing, I don't feel like playing, I should just forget it. I was like, no, no, they need me, so I'll come. And then I got here, and Mickey looked at me, and she was like, hey, come help me find something back here. And she just turned to me, and I said, well, oh, Mickey, and I just ran to her, and she just held up and opened her arms, I just burst into tears. And I just let loose about, like, everything that happened this week. And I just really appreciate how she just, she literally just held me and let me cry on her shoulder. And she never once said, well, you should have heard the week I heard it. Had. It's like, well, when I was a nurse, we had patient ratios that weren't, she never said any of that. She just let me get out what I needed to get out. And she said, you know, it's okay to just say you have to cry sometimes. It's okay to say that, I oh, Mickey, I just gotta, I just, I just need a hug. I just need to get through this. And I really appreciate that because right after that, we had choir rehearsal and I was singing, I go to the rock. And there are times where you do feel like, you know, who can you turn to but Jesus? Who can you talk to but Jesus? And that's a beautiful thing to be able to go to God. But every time in my life that there's been anything stressful, he has been gracious enough to give me godly friends. Where, yes, it's a beautiful thing to go to God in prayer. And it's wonderful to be able to unload your burdens to him. But sometimes it's nice to get a hug from somebody, you know. And I was like, you know, there's never been a time where I have been honestly stressed. Not things that, not a situation that I created that I never should have been in things where I've been honestly overwhelmed by some things that are going on in my life, and I didn't have anybody to talk to. Like Friday night, my mom came over and had tea with me and the boys, and we got to talk about some things, and then the next, very next day, my aunt was just there wet, ready for me and willing to listen, and I was like, I am very blessed. Like, yeah, there are times where all I can turn to is Jesus, but look at how many other people I have that I can talk to. Like, how dare I think that I have to stand by myself and be strong all on my own? I've never done that before in my life. But I'm very grateful for his people. I'm grateful for this church, and I'm grateful that, that we have the type of people who will just say, what do you need right now? And I think sometimes, like in my mind, I was thinking, well, I need to be here because they need me to play. They need me to do this. And God was like, you need to come here because you need to be encouraged. And I put somebody there to do that for you today. And I'm just grateful for her being willing to do that. And just, she, you know, I know she's not the only one. I know that if I were to come to anybody and say, you know, Bonnie, I'm stressed right now, or Chanace, I need to talk to somebody. Like, who would tell me no? None of you would. And the fact that I thought that for even a second, I was ashamed. And I'm just so grateful that God proved me wrong. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I have to admit, you know, me, me and Brian do that all the time. We come in and just hug each other and cry on each other's shoulders and <laughs> Lean on each other for support and help. <clears throat> Dwayne. 
hope y'all can yeah, y'all can hear me. Um, <laughs> I just want to praise God for who he is, for putting me in a loving family, a sweet communion. I mean, it ain't nobody I haven't got a call from concerned about how am I doing and ask me each and every time, am I okay? Do I need anything? Um, um, my pastor, I mean, I can name quite a few people. You know me, I get to talking, we can be here all night. Um, you know, people that you never even thought to really had I thought about you, even called. And I praise God for that, for just giving me a church to be able to, like Chantel say, to turn to when you think you're alone. You're not alone. God made sure that you're not alone. And it's because of him that you're not alone. So I just praise God for all he's done in my life, even the downfall, what I went through, I praise him for that because I don't have to go through it. I didn't have to be here to go through it, but he allowed me to go through it because he want me to learn something from this. He want me to get something out of this. He's trying to tell me something and I need to sit back and think, continue continue to read his word and think about what it is that he's trying to talk to me about. So I just want to just thank the Lord for all of y'all. I appreciate I love you. As Miss Dick said, I love y'all unconditionally. It wouldn't be nothing that I wouldn't do for either one of y'all. If I could do it, I would do it. And I praise God for that. Amen. Good to hear from you. Good to have you back with us again in service. So we praise God for that. All right, Michelle. We'll um, take, so we'll take her testimony and one more. So if you have another testimony, get your hand up for the mic. We already have it. There we go. Um, Lawrence insists that I have a testimony, so I'm going <laughs> to give one. Um, I just thank God for um, family and friends, um, kind of echo what everybody else has been saying. Um, I remember when we were in Atlanta and um, Jeremy and I were going through some hard times and not having the family or friends to uh, lean on. And I remember we were in the Sunday school class because we were in a church about 3,000 people. And so your Sunday school class was kind of like your, your uh, immediate church. And Jeremy asked some of the people in our group for just advice and nobody responded. Nobody came and helped him. Nobody talked to him. They um, further isolated us. And um, I remember feeling just like isolated and not really like understanding because Sweet Communion's not like that at all. And um, finally, we there was an older couple that reached out to us and and just were a great asset to us and really helped us out. And then also um, Brian and Heidi from 
um, back home helped us out a lot. And thinking now, like, we don't have that anymore. Like, if we come and we ask for advice, there will be plenty of people to be there and support us and pray with us and, and help us. And um, not only for the struggles, but also just to take in the joy as well. And being having that group, um, it means a lot to me. And just looking at all the kids that are going to grow up, um, hopefully, you know, they all become Christians. But having that support system at such a young age and hopefully... Uh, while also having adults, too, that care about them and want to steer them in the right direction. And um, that's such a huge blessing that uh, it's easy to take for granted, but um, when you don't have that, it you feel it. And so I just thank God for um, that support system here and, and that family. Amen. Thanks, for, thanks for your testimony. Um, Brian, you have the last word. Yeah, I wanted to thank God for um, the same thing that many others is. Um, I thank God for just the encouragement of the believers and you know, dad was joking about <laughs> crying on each other's shoulders. Um, as men, we don't, hopefully we don't have to do that that often. But um, I just thank God for um, dad and uh, Jeremy this week for supporting me. And we, um, one of the things, you know, just as a church, we sometimes have to handle difficult situations and um, we were handling a difficult situation, but every time that we addressed it, you know, I, sometimes you, 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 sometimes you just have your doubts, you know. And so I was calling um, them and talking to them through different situations that we were dealing with, and they all had the same response. And I just thank God for that because um, sometimes when you are facing, especially when you're in spiritual warfare, Satan will try to isolate you. And that's one of the things that just makes when people don't come to church or when they isolate themselves so stupid because you're doing Satan's job for him. He would like his first thing is to say, okay, I got a plan. Isolate, destroy, right? And that's what wolves do. I was thinking about wolves attacking a sheep. One of the books I'm reading is, one of the fantasy books I read is about this shepherd. And one of the things he always hates is when one of the sheeps go a little bit away, one of the wolves will attack. And it's like, here we are. You know, that's the main thing we need to do is we always have strength in numbers. Even sheep have horns, right? Even rams have horns. And if they stand together, even wolves will not attack a group of sheep. But oftentimes we will sometimes isolate ourselves. And we do Satan's job for him. And that's step one is to isolate. So when we don't isolate, it's very hard to beat us. It's very hard. Another thing I was thinking about is just when you think about this church body, I mean, Mrs. Dick, she said, um, talking about the signs of a, of a strong church, you know, and I sometimes, I, I, I fight through that sometimes because I want us to grow more than we are, and I have plans on, on things, and me and Dad talk about things we can do to do, be better. But one of the things I will say is this, that I don't always know whether the church is strong sometimes, but I always know this, that this is the church God wants this church to be alive. Mm -hmm. And God is behind this church. And God is behind my dad. And a lot of times, what I've seen is I, me and my wife was talking about the history of this church. And there's a few things that go on all the time that we were talking about the history of the church is, is this, that when people oppose the ministry here, it never ends well. And I mean that as if you could write literally their lives as if it was in the Old Testament, and it would be no different than if they opposed one of the prophets or they opposed one of the priests 
or they oppose anything. And I think, I guess in some ways we surprised by it, in some ways we shouldn't, right? It's the same God, but it's miraculous how quickly people will downfall when they leave this church or when they oppose what this church is doing. And it's just one of the things that just struck me. Um, God is behind this church. And so let's not, you know, when we, when we think about God being behind our, our pastor, um, that means that God wants us to accomplish something here. So I'm just thankful for 2019 because I want us to um, stand behind and we have this 25-year celebration. You know, that just, it just keeps coming to my mind because I've been here all 25 years and I've been thinking about all the things that God has done um, and all the battles we've been through, all the struggles we've been through, but God wants this church to still be here despite all those things. And I think that God wants this church to grow and have an impact on this city. I don't think it's going to be easy because the more people, more problems, right? But that's what a church is. A church is a, is a group of people that deal with each other's problems together. And so I thank God for that. Let's not forget what the concept of the church is. That is the strength of the church. And if anybody in here feel isolated or alone or some, they know somebody that do, encourage them to be more part because part of that is on them. To the degree that you take advantage of this thing that Christ calls a church, you will be strengthened and you will be encouraged. Even if you have go through difficult times, you can't help but be encouraged because you know other people are going through it with you. But when you isolate, when you deceive, that's another way of isolating, by the way. You don't come. It's hard to be encouraged. It's hard to persist. And that's why many of us set up things that make us have to come face-to-face -face with other believers because sometimes we be at that tipping point where we finna do the wrong thing. Because I have to come on Wednesday, because I have a Bible study on my house on Thursday, because I have to teach Sunday school, it makes me do what's right even when sometimes I don't want to. And so I encourage everybody, put those things in your life, those little checks where you have to do stuff. Put your, you know, me and my brother was talking about this, put your weakness as one of your strengths. I, I don't want to fall in front of people, so guess what? I'm going to study hard before I teach Sunday school. Sometimes I don't feel like studying, but my pride will not want me to look bad in front of everybody. Guess what? I set that up against myself. And you know what? It helps me. And so I just praise God for that and the people who encourage and everybody that I've talked to, they've just been very encouraging. So let's just keep that unity going and um, praise God as we go into 2019 that we fight the enemy. He might try to attack us, but if we stay together, he cannot defeat us. Appreciate those testimonies as they, uh, they minister to us throughout the week. You reflect on what God is doing, what it's doing in others' lives, and you see how faithful, how good God is, and you're encouraged as well. Um, we want to um, just take a look-see where we are as we get started in our Hosea uh, series. And I want to remind you, first of all, not only for our Hosea series, but for our Sunday school, whether it's a um, lesson taught in the joint Sunday school or whether it's a lesson in the individual classes when they start again or whether it's something about the catechism or even in our children's Sunday school. If you have questions, we're going to be using our question box. It's located in our foyer on the north side on the west wall. It looks like a mail slot where you can put in questions. So um, tonight what I want you to do is I know 
you have, you have to have a question starting out in Hosea. You have to have a question starting out in Hosea. You don't have to necessarily turn it in. But what I want you to do right now is think about a question that you would have in Hosea. And I actually want you to write it down. I'm not going to force you to turn it in, but I want you to write it down. It may be a question that you had and, and, and got answered, but you have to have a question. I don't know that I can read the Word of God and not have a question. If I don't have a question, I'm probably asleep when I'm reading it, all right? My mind is not active is what I'm saying. Uh, an active mind will generate questions, and those questions lead you to further study, which leads you to further understanding. So a question is not a sign that you're missing something or that you're dumb or that you, 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 you're not at a level. It's a sign that you are growing and want to grow and want to stretch further. There is a question for you about something there. Um, for me, as I start, let me just kind of take you through. My as I started Hosea, I started reading. Um, I started, you know, I would read through the whole book as, as many times as I could um, in a sitting and as many consecutive days as, as possible to begin to kind of get a feel and a sense for it. But some of the things there are just, they just puzzle your mind. You go, well, what is this? Just like today in chapter 1, I get to the first part and Jehu, I'm like, who is Jehu? And Jezreel, and why is that prominent? And, and i tell you, sometimes you can look in, in some of the uh, study Bibles or commentaries and still not get answers that you, you have. And, and I'm not saying you always get answers to those questions, but what happens is you begin to ask good questions. If you start asking questions, you'll begin to ask questions that, that help you um, uncover true. Many have said that the secret to learning is really asking the right questions. Um, I want to encourage you, don't worry about whether it's right or not. Just start asking some questions to yourselves and start writing down. So what I do is, um, well, normally I have a, like a notebook, and I, I try to keep something around me all the time. Um, So while I'm talking, does anybody need any paper? Write down your question, okay? Um, actually, I can use you, Bree, if you can come here a second. Can I use you? Okay. I don't know how good you'll be at tearing some of this from off for you. And I'm going to have you hand these out to whoever needs a sheet of paper, okay? Then you can take one for yourself, too. I don't think your hand was raised, right? Okay, now raise your hand nice and high and Brianna will see you and bring you a piece of paper if you need one. Okay, now here's the deal. You can have the paper, but if you use a pencil, I got to get it back. <laughs> and I'm going to put a bite mark on my pencil so I know what it, who's it, no. <laughs> Let's see who. Naomi, can I use you? Naomi's going to hand out pencils if you need one. I, I didn't check to see if they're sharpened, and I don't know if the pens work. Thank you. 
<laughs> Anybody need a pen, raise your hand, and Naomi will come by and assist you. Anybody else need paper? You need paper? You know how to write your name? You do? What's the first letter? Okay, all right. You passed the test. <laughs> all right, Bree, would you help me out? Have a few more people who need some paper. He has his hand up. Okay, so you have a piece of paper, and uh, you, you may, thank you, you may have um, a question to deal with kind of the introduction material. We covered so much in the introduction. Um, thank you. Um, covered a lot of story today, you know, First Kings and Second Kings and the uh, sequence of kings, so that may be something that, that you might... Um, be thinking about and, and for those kind of questions I don't expect you to, to like memorize the list of kings but I do have here uh, a copy of I don't have a copy I just have my copy of the list of kings and you probably had that in your study Bible the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah 19 of one and 20 of the other and in in their order so that just kind of I find when I read the Old Testament, I get hung up in the names. Do you do that? You know, there's it's so many Ayahs and Ayakayas and Jediah, Jedekiah and I, um, Azariah and Ahaziah. And, it's, it, you know, you kind of get confused in all of those. So sometimes you just need to look at them written down, and, and that kind of helps you put things straight. But... Um, you can refer to your study Bible for something like that. What I found for me, it helps me to, to see the setting of Hosea, where, where he's serving and, and what he's trying to do. And then when God is speaking through him, it helps me to, um, God is using some things about Israel's history um, to speak to Israel. So it helps me to know some of those things. And I don't know them all, so it helps to read through uh, the history. And you're going to find the history books of the Old Testament, basically uh, First Kings, First and Second Kings, you'll find it. Some of that's repeated in First and Second Samuel. Um, and, and a lot of times you'll find a king that you're interested in, and his whole life may be covered in three verses. So you don't always have to do a whole lot of reading to, to, to get a bit of understanding. Another thing that would be helpful if you're studying that way um, is, is to have a, a concordance that you can follow a name. What a good concordance would do is if you take a name like Jehu, J-E-H-U, and you look it up, it'll show you every verse in the Bible that that name occurs in from the Old Testament to the New. Now you say, um, you know, in old times we had, we had a, a concordance, an exhaustive concordance that, that you had in your, your library on, on your shelf and you would go and you pull that out. You say, well, I don't have that kind of thing today. Well, actually, you have access to it. Um, if, you, if you have the Bible on your phone, um, usually they have a search there, too, and you can put in a name or you can put in a, a word 
and it will search and it will, it will show you that. Now, it may not be exhaustive. It may not show you every last uh, instance of that, um, but it can be very helpful. So you can use that to, as, as a tool. Um, so, so that's the way that, that, that you can use. Okay, so right now you should be writing down that question. I'll give you a moment to do that. Write down a question that you have so far um, in our series in Hosea. Uh, it may be a practical question. Okay, I understand what's happening in Hosea, but what does that mean to me today? Um, you, you may be struggling translating that history into our history. Hosea lived in a world of prophets and kings. We don't have prophets and kings today. Uh, we have Christians, believers, we have pastors, and we have uh, you know, presidents, governors, and so forth. Um, so how does that translate to us today? What should, what should I be thinking about? Um, but write down your question, okay, um, to get you to thinking. Okay, so as you're writing down that question, you can continue to write. You have space to write maybe even more than one question if you want to. Um, again, you don't have to turn that in to me, but um, I know when you're thinking, you develop questions. Some of those questions are answered, and they may seem silly to you. You may be afraid to even write it down, but don't be afraid. Just, just go ahead and write it down. You may even know the answer, but it's a question that you started with, and, and it'll help you get where you're going. Um, one of the questions that, that I think hit me when I first started Hosea is, is this weird thing of why did God ask Hosea to marry this kind of woman? I don't know if you had that kind of question too. It's like weird. And, and you had that question too? What's that in here? You? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just seems real, real weird for us. God would ask this of Hosea, and, and, and then naturally when we read the Bible, we say, okay, is God speaking to me, and what is he saying? So am I Hosea, and is he telling me to do something like this? Is that kind of weird? Is he asking me to do? Um, um, what about Gomer? Where does she fit in? And, and, and how does God do that? Why, why, why does he do what, what he wants to do? Um, what kind of person was Gomer? And, you know, the Bible doesn't answer all of those questions, but I think we can, we can kind of see through the relationship. Hosea was a, a, a man chosen by God as a prophet to speak to his people. And one of the things he told him to do is, is, is marry this woman. Now, he marries this woman, and, and you can see through the text that the first child that she had, let me just get there. It says, verse 3, So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblaine, and she conceived and bore him a son. I get the sense that she did not show herself to be unfaithful right away. He may have had that kind of heart, but it didn't show. He, he married what most people would consider, this is a good marriage, this is a good woman, and I marry her because I expect her to be faithful to me. That's a natural and right expectation. I don't think um, Hosea, you know, went down to the red light district and, and, and grabbed a prostitute off the street and said, hey, woman, I want to marry you. 
I think he found a woman that he loved, that he thought would be faithful to him, and he married. In fact, that narrative fits Israel and God. God brought Israel up. He loved her. He lavished his love on, on her. And later she became unfaithful. So I think what happened was later she became unfaithful. And it says in verse 4, the Lord said to him, call, excuse me, verse 3, he went and took Gomer, the daughter of the blame. She conceived and bore him a son. Now, she bore him a son. So that first child was the offspring of both of them together. Okay? Later on, it doesn't give that kind of detail. It simply says in verse uh, 6, she conceived again and bore a daughter. doesn't say it was necessarily the son of, of, of Hosea, and that, 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 that is left open. She could have been unfaithful after their marriage and gotten involved with, with other men, and this next child could have, in fact, not been uh, Hosea's. And the third child the same way. Uh, verse 8, when she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. The Lord said, call his name, not my people. Now, the Bible doesn't go into the details of their marriage relationship, and that's not the purpose uh, of this story. This pr the purpose of their story is to illustrate Israel's unfaithfulness to God. And so we're not given all that. Um, but one thing we are told that oftentimes, I didn't bring this out this morning, but oftentimes the prophets were, their lives illustrated something this way. We see that with Ezekiel. Um, we, we see that um, with, Isaac, with Jeremiah and Isaiah, that their lives, what things that happened in their lives, God used to, to send a message or to tell a story. Um, he used, he spoke through, not only through their mouths, but through their lives to give a picture, a vivid picture uh, to Israel. And so, like I said, that, one, that was, that's a question that comes up. What is God saying through this, this crazy uh, relationship that starts this story? And what are we to get from that? Well, we to get from that is that it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a picture, it's a vivid picture of God and his relationship to the people he loved and had committed himself to and their unfaithfulness to him. All right. Um, now, before we leave, uh, I'll give us time to maybe talk through a question or two that you might have that you either wrote down or you just began to develop as, as you've been thinking about this series. But I want to encourage you and invite you to think through questions and even write them down. Even if you don't turn the question in, think through them, write them down for yourself, and uh, uh, just keep a, a note that way. Any comments or questions before we wrap things up tonight? Brother Dwayne? Okay, if I understand your question right, um, what relationship do the kings have to, to David and therefore to Christ? Um, that's a good question. Remember the divided kingdoms. We have the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. All of the kings in Israel were wicked kings. 
every last, all 20 of them. You can see the history written about them in the scripture. They all were unfaithful in serving the Lord. Also something about those kings on Israel's side that's different than the kings on Judah's side is none of them were in the line of David, the kings on Israel's side. None of them followed the heritage or the line, the lineage of David. On Judah's side, many of those kings, not all, but many of them were depicted in Scripture as good kings and in some ways faithful to God. Many of them. None of the kings on Israel were. And the kings on Judah's side, all of them were in the line of David. Every last one of them. And so God was showing his faithfulness to give to David and through David what he had promised. He would bring a king through David that would be the savior of his people. Here's the difference. His people is not just Israel. His people is us. And that king is not a, just a human king. He's an eternal king. That king is Jesus himself. So it's interesting in Matthew that when Matthew starts the gospel, he relates Jesus to David and to Abraham um, because he follows that physical lineage um, as, as connected um, through his birth to David and through uh, Abraham. Any other comments, questions? All right, Sister Bonnie? Okay, that is a good question. God asked every husband to love his wife. And in fact, if we look at this story, God expected Hosea to love his wife because Hosea is a picture of God who loves his people regardless of how unfaithful they were. That just blows me away. That just blows me away. God, you, you know, um, I have a very good wife, and I love her. She's been faithful to me. But if God asked me to love a woman that had proven herself to be unfaithful, how difficult would that be? But it's a picture of God, of his grace and his great love that he loved his chosen one, even though they were woefully unfaithful, not just a little bit unfaithful, not just a little mistake. They had gone way out of line, and God still loved them. So that, that's, that picture just blows me away. That's why I say, you know, Hosea gives us a whole different image than what I was traditionally given in the, in the Old Testament of how God is just a God of judgment. Wow. He is very patient and very loving with, with his people. All right, Drew, you had a question too? That's what you wrote in your paper. See, now, see, that's a picture of a beautiful family, isn't it? <laughs> that's a picture of a beautiful family. God in his grace places us in that kind of family. I don't know how... Um, um, no mercy and not my people would have would have looked in, in you know these are names of, of their kids right I don't know how they would have felt in that kind of relationship but um, God expected Hosea to show the love to them 
um, that he shoved, showed to Israel so that they would actually be turned into my people and mercy so that their names would, so in effect, in effect be, uh, be changed to reflect the mercy uh, that God had. Um, Andy has a question in the back. This is a real theological question. I want to answer it very directly. I think the people who see God's fulfillment in the nation of Israel are short-sighted when it comes to Scripture. Let that explode a little bit. What that means is God is not limited to fulfilling his word with this national group of people in a physical place. It's way beyond that. He is fulfilling that with Gentiles all over the world who are now called into his people, and that's the church. And so I think his fulfillment of, of his people is consistent throughout Scripture that it is his church. Jesus says to his disciples who happen to be Israelites, Jews, he says, other sheep I have who are not of this fold, but they'll be with me. What did he mean there? He says, it's not just Jews. It's Gentiles and Jews together. And that's the truth that kind of explodes in the New Testament that opens the eyes. Remember in, 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 on Wednesday, we're going through a study in Acts, and Paul makes a practice of going to the synagogues on the Sabbath and preaching to them. And then he gets to, to Athens and and he gets to Corinth, he's at Corinth now, and he's talking to the people, the Jews, and they, they reject. And he says, he said, I had enough. I'm, I'm taking the gospel now to all the Gentiles. You have rejected it, and I'm taking it now to the whole world. Now, in that same chapter, we're showing that a number of Jews had received and had been open. But in, in a very large way, People of Israel had rejected this, and they had rejected their Savior. They crucified their Savior, and that exploded the gospel out to the Gentiles. And I think that is God's fulfillment of what he always meant. So he says, look how that applies in chapter 1, verse 10. Um, Children of the living God, he says, in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. Look how well we as Gentiles fit that picture. We were rejects, Ephesians tells us that we were not part of his people, and now because of the blood of Christ, we've been made a part of his people. So uh, I do think it's short-sighted to see that fulfilled in, in just a land and a people group only because um, New Testament makes it very clear that Israel now is God's people, is the church. It's not just a small group or isolated group. So yeah, uh huh. So it's like once our eyes are open to that, we see that thread coming all throughout Scripture, and we go, "How did I not see that before? Wow!" And in fact, not only is it a thread, it's the major theme of Scripture. This is what God is doing. And that's where Israel missed out. They thought they were it, and they thought they were all that God is doing. And in reality, God never had that in mind. When I study the birth of Christ and I see um, the proclamations like Simeon made about Christ, 
And he, and he says, wow, this is a light to the Gentiles. And Simeon himself was a Jew. And he's, it's like he's saying, I get it now. Wow, I get it. God had this in mind all the time. This isn't like plan B. This is his whole purpose. And this is what he's been doing, how glorious he is. And um, so we see that. Even in the lineage of Christ, we see Gentiles sprinkled throughout that lineage. When we look at, at, at Ruth and Naomi and, 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 and what happened there, um, we see Gentiles brought into that. Rahab the harlot as well. And, you know, so this is, this is God's plan all along. It's not a plan B. As I'll restate what I said before. I think those who limit it to a, a people group and a land are very short-sighted when they see uh, in terms of interpreting what God's purpose and God's plan is. All right. Run out of time. I hope we um, talk more, um, entertain more questions. I don't want to answer them in a way that makes you not want to ask questions, so I don't know if I'm doing that or not, but um, let me know if I am so I can be helpful to you in your understanding of Scripture. So let's pray. Father, we thank, we're thankful for you. We thank you for your word. We pray for more understanding in it to help us through our study uh, to appreciate what you have done and what you are doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.